You are now entering the Nintendo Power Zone. Now you're podcasting with power. Welcome to the Nintendo Power Zone. We are a video cast as podcast dedicated to bringing you the best Nintendo-related topics. I am your host, Nice1983. And I'm your co-host, Mario After Party. And guys, E3 has come and gone, and Nintendo had a big E3 showcasing. Not just at their press conference, but during Ubisoft's and Bethesda's showcasing Skyrim and Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. So, what I'm really surprised about here is the fact that Nintendo was able to take all the momentum they've built since January and keep it moving all the way into E3. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about all the awesome news that they showed us off at E3. So before we do all of that, we have one big news story that we're going to go and talk about. Mario After Party, hit them up with that. So today Niantic released all the details of how they're going to revamp the gym system and introduce raids for Pokemon Go. I am super excited about this. And I'm just going to read the details straight from their website. You guys have probably noticed that if you've checked your app today, that all your Pokemon have come back to you. And if you've driven past a gym, you'll notice that it's not there anymore. It's just a small silver platform. That's because Niantic has finally started to renovate these gyms and to basically give us a a better experience. So one of the main changes about how you interact with the gym is that uh, you'll be able to spin the photo disc at the gyms to acquire items just like you do with Pokestops. Um, And also, gyms are no longer going to be based on prestige and training. Instead, now they will feature six permanent slots that can be filled by controlling the team's Pokemon. Each Pokemon assigned to these slots must be unique though, so that means that you can't have a gym with a bunch of Dragonites in it, or you know, just all Snorlaxes or Tyranitars, you can only have one of each Pokemon, so the gyms are going to be more diverse. Also, the opposing teams will battle the Pokemon in the order that they were assigned to the gym, so it's no longer going to be in the order of strength, which is, um, that's kind of interesting too. Uh, and then the on the website it says, the heart of the update is the new motivation system that will significantly change how you interact with the gyms. When a Pokemon is assigned to a gym, a motivation meter will be displayed. The Pokemon assigned to defend a gym lose motivation over time as they are defeated in battle, and then as a Pokemon loses motivation, its CP will temporarily decrease, making it easier for opposing teams to defeat. To help keep the Pokemon motivated, and in tip-top shape for their next battle, trainers can treat the team's Pokemon to some berries, which restore their motivation, which makes you probably wish you kept your berries now. I know I wish I would have kept more berries. I deleted so many. I did too. If a Pokemon loses all motivation, it will leave the gym and return to its trainer the next time it loses in battle. So you want to keep your your team's Pokemon motivated by giving them berries frequently. So that's a totally different system to what we had 
just as of yesterday. And uh, I mean, my thoughts personally are that I think these changes are great. They're really exciting. The only one that I'm, I'm not so on board with is that it's only limiting the gyms to six slots, whereas before we could have 10. So that means it, uh, like, you know, the space in the gym is going to get crowded a lot faster. But um, overall, I think that this sounds like it's going to be a pretty good system. No, man, I actually really like a lot of these changes. Um, I am a little concerned about, like, the only having six Pokemon in the gym just because it can already be kind of hard to get into a gym um, based on, you know, the prestige that they had, the prestige system that they used to have. So I wonder how much harder it's going to be to get into a gym now with only six slots. And that's going to make gyms a lot more competitive amongst teammates. Um that being said, I do like a few of the features. I don't live close to Pokestops. Um, there's like one or two, and I have to go pretty far out. But there are a lot of gyms near my vicinity, so I can get to those without even trying. So now that gyms will essentially become Pokestops as well, that's going to make a whole lot of things easier, for me at least. Um, on top of that, I'm very happy to see that people can't just uh, troll using... Dragonites and Tyranitars all damn day anymore. They literally can have one of those in the gym. So gonna be a yeah. lot easier to train, a lot easier to battle. I like a lot of these changes. So yeah, I totally agree. Um, I've been kind of waiting for, for the day that they would introduce a system that was more in the spirit of the main series where it is important to have a diverse team because I've been spending the Stardust to power up Pokemon that Although they're really strong, they're um, you know they're not going to be in the top three or four as far as the max CP is concerned. Um, I have a really strong Espeon. I've got a really good uh, Scizor and uh, a Golem, and it's just going to be nice now that I have a diverse team that I can you know uh, put into these gyms. Especially uh, since you know that you're still going to see Dragonites and and Blissies and Snorlaxes in these gyms. It's just that once somebody puts it in, if that's all you have on your team, if all you have are Snorlaxes and Dragonites, you're going to find that you're going to get shut out of a lot of these gyms, or you're just going to have to put like crappy Pokemon in there. So it's good that they've, they've done this. Um, another change that they've made, which I'm really excited about, is the gym badges. They've added gym badges to this game, and... Um, from the picture, it looks like it, it it's a location of each gym you've you've defeated. Like it's got one here that says the Eiffel Tower, one here that says Bay Bridge, and and it's got the little pictures on them. So that would be able to keep a, a kind of a memento of every gym you've defeated. Now I don't know if they're gonna add that in retroactively. That would be nice because then I would have a whole list of gyms of every state that I've um conquered you know since i've played this game um which over the past year i've been to quite a few different states uh and that, but you know it's if it is retroactive that would be nice if not it's still a, a pretty cool feature and one thing that i did notice in the picture was that you can see a silhouette of what looks to be a pikachu um over two of the gyms now i I'm going to guess that that means that you still have a Pokemon there. And if that's the case, then you'll, 
if, if you get to the point where you, you have multiple gyms, you don't have to remember anymore, oh, which Pokemon did I put at which gym? You'll see that record right there. You'd be like, oh, okay, I still have a Pokemon left at this gym and this gym, which that's also another great feature. I completely agree with you because one thing I constantly forget is where those Pokemon are, which gyms I love them at. And I'm super excited about a lot of these changes, but there's one change. We haven't gotten to it yet in specific. One change that I am still happy they made, and it's it's TMs, man. Having TMs, I don't know how many freaking... Ar I have seven Arcanines. I have no Arcanines with fire moves. Not a single one. I want these TMs so bad because I want an Arcanine to have like Fire Blast or something. And they said there were two types, obviously. There was the there's the, the charge attack, and then you have your quick, your quick uh, attack. And those are going to be so important to really boosting up your Pokemon team. You can have as diverse a team as you want, but if you, if you if their moves suck, it's not going to be helpful. And the TMs are something I'm excited about. I love the gym badges, by the way. They just look so neat. I was like, oh my god, there are new gym badges. Like we were out eating lunch, and I saw, and that's when I was looking at the uh, the the news release. And I was like, holy crap, look at the new badges. These are awesome. Love it. Love yes. a lot of these changes. Um, yeah, like you said, the TMs, that's that's actually going to allow me to probably delete some Pokemon that I was kind of keeping just because they had a better moveset, um, even though their IVs might not have been as good. So it's nice that we're going to get that. Um, we're also going to be getting rare candies and golden raspberries. It says that the rare candy will... Um, when used on a Pokemon, turns into that Pokemon's candy. So I guess, I don't know how much candy you'll be getting, but I guess if you need to, if, if you're having trouble, you know, powering up that Lapras because you don't want to walk five kilometers for every candy, maybe that's a good way to do it. Um, and then the Golden uh, Raspberry will greatly increase your chance of catching a Pokemon you encounter in the wild, but can also be given to a Pokemon assigned to a gym to fully recover its motivation meter, which I think is probably going to be the more useful of the two options. Um, and all of these special items that I just mentioned are going to be given to you after defeating a raid boss. So yes, we are finally getting raids. Um, the way a raid battle is going to work is that you have to defeat an extremely powerful Pokemon in the gym known as a raid boss. And before the raid battle begins, a large egg will appear atop of the gym. So there's going to be an egg with a countdown on it. And when that countdown reaches zero, the raid boss will be revealed. So before you can battle a raid boss, you'll need a raid pass, it says. And you can get one free raid pass per day by visiting a gym. Um, but you can only hold one at a time. So that limits you to one raid event a day, but it looks like you're going to be able to do a raid event every day if you want to, which is awesome. And then um, the, the timer just kind of lets you know what time the raid is going to begin so you can kind of coordinate it with your friends. Like, you know, you'll, you'll pass by a gym. There'll be an egg on top. You'll see, you know, like six hours, and you'll be like, oh, God, guys, at, you know – eight o'clock tonight there's going to be a raid event at you know this such and such gym 
you know, downtown. You guys want to go? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. What I really like about all of this news about raids is that it's finally delivering on the promise that the first trailer made to us. If we were to go back and watch that first trailer, that trailer ends on 42nd Street in New York, right next to Times Square. And what we see there is right there on that big, uh, the big screen, you see Mewtwo show up and then it tells everybody to catch Mewtwo. And then all the trainers in that trailer start battling against that Mewtwo until they've beaten it and there was a timer and they went and they showed it the last thing that happens is pikachu gets the final move off and the last thing we see in that screen is gotcha and everybody freaks the fuck out and it's about damn time niantic one year later you are finally delivering on the promise that you made during that trailer that first trailer was so hype and all the all the anticipation we had for these kind of raid events you can finally Finally deliver on them and you got to make these events awesome Crank up the difficulty make it worth our while and you better not just be if you look at what we see on the on the in the pictures here in the press release we're seeing like pictures of like Bulbasaur. I'm sorry Venusaur You better start throwing some legendaries into these raid events because You're yeah. gonna really piss a lot of people off if you don't have the, the legendaries Yes, um, I agree and the way that it if you successfully defeat the raid boss within the five-minute time limit, you'll have a chance to catch an extra powerful Pokemon of your own, which I'm assuming would be the whatever raid Pokemon you have to battle against. And all of the gyms are now going to pop up on your nearby screen, so you can see which raid events are ongoing and which raid events are basically scheduled to happen. So that's another nice feature that you can just look at your nearby to find that out as well. Um, and then looking at the Pokemon that you have to fight, they had, they show an example of a Tyranitar with 25,000 CP and a, a Alakazam here with uh, 22,000 CP. So it looks like they're going to be really powerful. Like you're not going to be able to beat these Pokemon on your own. You're going to need a, a friend to help you. And it says that you can get up to 20 trainers to work together to defeat the raid boss. Um... To me, that sounds a little low. What, what I'm concerned is they didn't indicate whether or not these trainers had to be on the same team. So I guess we can make you know the wide assumption that you know uh, trainers from all of the teams can participate within yes. a great event. That's what I'm thinking too. And uh, I, it just, to me, um, I don't know. It, it just makes me think that like, you're going to be able to, to team up with other people because you'll get to, sh you know, the rewards of um, those special items for defeating a raid boss and then the catching that Pokemon. Um, but but 20 people sounds low to me. I think in, in most situations, if you're at a gym, 20 people, like, probably is going to be, um, it probably will be okay. But I have a feeling like if you're in a big city or if you're in a downtown area where there's like a particularly popular gym, I mean, you might end up having a hundred people or more try to do this raid event. And, and I, you know, if, if only 20 people can get in on it, um, I guess it's good that they're, they'll be happening at gyms like all over the place. So you can go to multiple ones, but, uh, 
like you were saying about that promise that they made to us in the original commercial, there was more than 20 people in Times, uh, Times Square trying to defeat that Mewtwo. You know, there was like a couple hundred people, maybe a thousand people. So that's, that, they're not really fulfilling the promise in, in the, in the sense that we're going to have hundreds of people get together for these raids. But, um, I, you know, I'm just going to wait and see how it works. There's so many features and so many pictures on, on, uh, the website that you could just, I mean, it, there, there's one picture that shows, um, a team mystic player and a team valor player. And it says, there's a screen that says finding other players and, and there's something about a group code. And I, and I just, I don't know if that's indicating uh, PVP battles or um, if it's indicating what the rate event is going to look like. But I mean, there's just, they've, they've really made so many changes to this game. And uh, I have been kind of um, only playing the game just to get a Pokestop just so that I can get my streak every day. And, and that's about it. So this, these features are definitely going to bring me back to actually playing the game um, for real. All right. That's you. But here's the question of the day. All these changes, they are very significant. But is it too late? Is it too late? It's been a year almost since this game was released. And we've seen significant drop-offs. Like, even with the hardcore fan base, the drop-off is pretty significant. Now, this game still makes a crap ton of money on a daily basis, but, I mean, this isn't like what was happening last summer. This isn't like the life-altering event that it was a year ago. Is it too late for them? Did they, did they miss the opportunity? Or is this what's going to bring people back and keep them back? Um, for some people, it might be too late because uh, there were some people that only played this game to try to catch them all. It was just more of the collection that was uh, motivating them to go out and hunt Pokemon. But I think for the people that enjoyed the gym scene, like like myself, that were into this game for the more competitive aspect of it, I think a lot of those people will definitely come back to the game. And, uh, you know... I don't think you're going to see see a Pokemon like Hysteria like we saw last summer, but I think they're going to bring enough people back to where you're you're going to see, um, you know, a lot of people next month running around playing Pokemon Go again in the streets, just like you did last summer. Just not on the same level, but I think the, there will be quite a few people coming back for this. See, I'm not even 100% sure this is going to get me back all the way. Um, I think all these chains are, are fantastic, but I rarely play this game anymore. Uh, I've been playing it a lot the last few days, just during the event, uh, just because I wanted a uh, Typhlosion, but I don't play the game like very frequently. I don't even open the app every day. I'm not sure if these changes are really going to bring me back into the game. I just... For me, it almost feels like it's a little too late. And I know they said PvP battles are coming. But if they had PvP battles from the start, I probably never would have put this game down. Like, I probably would have played it with, you know, the same kind of fervor that I played it last summer. 
it's just that I wanted these features and they didn't think to add them quickly enough. Like they made a lot of changes to the game in that first year, but they weren't nothing was significant until they, you know, added, you know, the the second generation of Pokemon. And even that I thought they waited too long to do. I thought they should have done that at the six month mark. Uh, or at the you know they should have done it before you know they did it is what I meant to say they waited because yeah, I long. think they did do it at the six month mark yeah but I don't think they anticipated people catching all the Pokemon as quickly as they did they should have had it they should have dropped it at the three month mark not the six month that's it was just too little too late and even with the you know Gen two I you know I still don't have all of those and I don't really have a desire to catch them all. Yeah, that's a good point because you're right. The the features that were the most important to keep the um, the game exciting are the ones that allow you to play with other people. Because at the end of the day, adding trading and PvP battles are what's going to keep this game around. Because the more chances you have to interact with the, with the other people playing it, instead of just being able to ask somebody. Where you know, oh, there was a, where was that Bulbasaur you caught? Oh, it was over there. You know, there, there's got to be chances to actually communicate with people in the game, not just to have a conversation with the other people walking down the street playing this game like we were doing last summer. And so I agree with you. Um, there's going to be a lot of people who who this is probably not going to be enough. Um, like I said, it's it's going to come down to how fun the new system is for me, whether or not. It's something that keeps me going past like the first month that it's out, but you know I'm I'm definitely um, if if they release legendaries I, I will definitely be participating in those events and uh, well my prediction is that th that it's going to bring a lot of people in initially but if if these updates aren't enough they're they're just going to fade away after a couple weeks it's going to be like you know two or three weeks and everyone's going to be like, eh, they didn't add the features that I wanted. And then it's going to die down again. So I think you're right. We need PVP battles and we need trading to ensure the longevity of this game because ultimately all these features that they're putting in right now are great. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to interact with other people playing the game. Uh, Raid events does help that out a little bit. But... Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a valid point. You definitely, um, you, you're not necessarily adding the changes that that people wanted in the beginning of the game. So I guess, you know, like for you or, or a lot of other people, why would they come back if they still haven't added those? Yeah, it is what it is, though. I mean, they're coming. We have to just wait and see if they're worth it, I guess. Um, personally, like right now, just based off of words, I'm not too excited. I mean, I like a lot of these changes, but I'm I'm not too excited. Niantic has made promises before, hasn't necessarily delivered. So I'm I'm just gonna play the wait and see game. Uh, we're gonna have gyms back in a few days. We're gonna we're gonna see how the gyms work first, and I guess they said there's gonna be a slow rollout of the raid events. I guess starting uh, they're starting with a beta, which tip which means that. These features are going to roll out in the West Coast first, and then they'll gradually make their way over here to the East Coast. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a bummer because I don't know how quickly they intend on rolling out those raid features. But 
be ready to hear a bunch of stories from California and you know all those other West Coast states before uh, before we get them over here. So it is what it is. But guys, what do you guys think about this? Is this enough to bring people back uh, into Pokemon Go, or is it too little, too late? Hit us up. Let us know. Uh, you already know all the social media links you can hit us up at. But what we got to do now, guys, is we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna dive in to our post E3 discussion. And dude, I said it in the intro, and I'm gonna say it again. Nintendo created a freaking tidal wave during you know back in January when they unveiled the Switch all the games that were coming out and they've been able to steadily like keep that wave going and they're surfing right now man they are surfing on us right now we had so many awesome announcements at E3 and to be honest I'm a little surprised that Nintendo was able to like take all this momentum and then add more to it so there is so much to talk about I guess we're gonna start with you know the news that I'm kind of least excited about first and then we'll work our way up. Uh, Skyrim was uh, unveiled for the Nintendo Switch. And it has some interesting features. I don't know if they're enough to like draw in a lot of people who own the Switch. Or if it's, making, if it's enough to make somebody purchase the game again on a separate platform. But I like some of these features. Uh, first, Amiibo support. I always love a game that throws in Amiibo support. That's so important to Nintendo's long-term goals with, you know, Amiibo as a platform because let's not forget, Amiibo is technically a platform for Nintendo. So any game that can support and utilize Amiibo, I always look forward to that. Uh, but I think what's really cool is you have the world's ugliest version of Link playable in Skyrim. Uh, any thoughts on this, man? No, I've never played a Skyrim game before and adding ugly link doesn't make me want to play it anymore so to me i'm not interested in this game so yeah all this all this ugly link stuff is uh, attributed to amiibo uh i have played skyrim before but i'm not a huge fan and it's nothing it's not a knock against the game it's more that i'm not a big fan of like you know the whole like knights and dragons and stuff like that the closest i get to those kind of games are legend of zelda they're just not my bread and butter i know a lot of people do love these games i'm just not sure if you know they showed off enough to make people purchase that game again that was at the bethesda press conference so it was nice to see nintendo having a presence outside of their own e3 spotlight but I think the next title we're going to talk about is one of my top titles for E3. I am super excited about this game. Now, let's be honest. When we first heard about this game, I don't think I heard anybody say this was a good idea. I think everybody and their mama said this was the stupidest idea that these two video game companies could do together. And yet, after seeing it, I am extraordinarily hyped. So Ubisoft officially unveiled... Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. And dude, this game. What can I say about this game? It's freaking crazy. It is insane. Like, everything that they showed off in the trailer, in the gameplay, it's all crazy. It plays like XCOM. So, I know a lot of XCOM people are going to be happy about this. But, it has the charm of Mario, and then it makes the rabbits, it integrates the rabbits in this weird way 
where you like have rabid peach who's like obsessed with taking selfies of herself and looks like she wants to molest mario at any given time and yet it all works it all works and i'm really excited about this man i just i love the way this game looks too graphically it's so impressive i was not expecting it to look this good yeah it definitely looks like it's got a lot of depth to it um it's being made for kids which makes me wonder how much depth it will have because it has to be easy enough for for you know like a nine-year-old to beat but i'm hoping that maybe there's some more to the game for the older players which allows you to take advantage of that great system that they showed off because it's a, a tactical rpg and it looks really fun and honestly out of all the games that nintendo showed at e3 um that was the one that wowed me the most um really was laughing out loud at some of the things that the uh the uh, peach rabbit was doing like she's being you know chased by the piranha plants and she's like being grabbed and taken away but as she's like being taken away she still has to snap a selfie of herself she's like no yes. hold on no it's like <laughs> it's just so funny and um you know the e3 overall i i felt this year wasn't fairly mind-blowing i don't think uh any company really blew me away um but out of all three nintendo definitely for me was the best one um although not necessarily for reasons of of just their presentation uh we'll get down to the uh, treehouse event a little later in the show but um, of all the games Nintendo showed, this one was the one that I was the most impressed with. No, and it, it was so impressive, man. Like, I wasn't expecting much out of this game. First off, I didn't believe it was real until a couple weeks ago, until, you know, we saw all that, like, leaked art, which ended up being, you know, the actual art for the game. But I didn't expect it to look as good as it does. And I'm not just talking about how it plays graphically graphically this game looks really good and this is you know and we had something to compare it to because mario odyssey got a lot of you know showcase time so i saw a lot of mario odyssey and you know conversely they also showcased rabbits a good deal during the treehouse uh live events and i was looking at them pretty much side by side and i was thinking to myself graphically you know ubisoft was able to really find a nice balance between their product and Nintendo's. Like, they did a great job of fusing the two universes, and they basically made Activision look pretty shitty, because if you remember a couple years ago, we had a few Nintendo characters in the last Skylanders game, and I gotta say that Ubisoft did a much better job of meshing, you know, the Rabbids universe with, the, you know, the Mario universe than than Activision did with the you know the Mario characters and the Skylanders. So, shout-outs to Ubisoft for getting it right. I am very much looking forward to this game. I've already got my copy pre-ordered uh, because it just looks like it's going to be way too much fun for me to pass this game. You were talking about the difficulty. I'm hoping that the difficulty scales upwards, you know, the deeper the game goes, but we haven't really seen you know, too much outside of the first couple stages in that game. Um, that being said, though, if you guys haven't seen this trailer, you gotta see the trailer for this game because it's fantastic. Moving on, 
uh, Ubisoft also showed off a great-looking game called uh, Starlink Battle for Atlas. Now, I'm a little confused about whether how this game works. Um, it's, it looks like it's going to be a new toys-to-life game, so I'm not sure exactly how this works. But you're basically building spaceships, you know, these little toy spaceships, and then you're plugging them into your controllers, and then you're playing those games. You're playing those ships within the game. And it's going to have cross-play. It's going to have cross-play between the PlayStation, the Xbox, and the Switch. And before we go any further, cross-play was a big, big deal at this year's E3. And I was really looking forward to this game based just on the, you know, the toy spaceships that they showed off because they look really awesome. It's just, I think any game that has that much level of detail in the toys to life aspect of it has to be a good game. And it just looks like a lot of fun and it's a cross platform title. You know, I know a lot of speculation here is that the switch is underpowered and it can't get a lot of these, you know, bigger games. Well, here, we have an example of some of a of a of a multi-platform game with crossplay. Very excited about this game as well. Yes, I'm. Uh, it's a good game to have for the Switch. It it's really good to have a third-party game that takes advantage of that toys to life um, because I think this game will really appeal to kids. Um, as far as, as me, I'm not really that interested in the game. And uh, while I do think it is innovative to be able to um, take pieces off of your, your spaceship and, like, attach different wings and weapons so that, you know, you can, you know, change your weapons in the middle of the game just by snapping a, a piece on and uh, to your, your fighter jet or whatever... It's gonna get repetitive. If you, if you, I, I wouldn't want to play a game where I've got to switch out and have all the different pieces close by me so that I can snap them in and snap them off. I mean, that's a game that, you know, I think it it'll be good for for younger kids. But it, it, you know, and it's good that it's on the Switch because it's a good third party title. But I am not personally interested in that game. The one concern I have about this game is that Toys to Life in general are on the downswing. And a lot of companies are getting out of the Toys to Life. Lego is trying to get out. Uh, obviously, Disney already got out. Uh, Activision hasn't necessarily confirmed it yet, but Skylanders didn't get a refresh at this year's E3. Uh, or last year's E3, if I, if I remember correctly. So Skylanders being not present, you know, the Toys for Life, you know, that, that whole genre has kind of petered out. Like, Amiibo are still doing decent numbers, but, I mean, it's not the, you know, the craze that it was when they first launched. I'm, I'm just wondering if this is the right time to do a Toys to Life game and whether Ubisoft is aware of the unique challenges that come with making a game like this. Because these, these toys look really intricate. I mean, how expensive are they going to be? That's That's something that we have to, like, be mindful of because video games are already an expensive hobby. Don't make it that much more expensive. Uh, moving on, Xenoblade 2. I think this looks awesome. Graphically, it looks pretty damn good. Uh, the voice acting, 
and the trailer was was like super cheesy, but I thought it had some unique story plots to it. Obviously, you know the girl is the sword, yet she also somehow wields the sword. It's very confusing, um, but I like the way this game looks, and I'm actually really surprised that the game is on schedule and it's supposed to come out this holiday. I was really expecting them to be delaying this game. I know because the Monolith Soft team has had their hands busy helping Nintendo with their franchises. So it's going to be interesting to see how this game shakes out, but I'm definitely still looking forward to this. I know you have a different mindset than I do on this game. Yeah, I was really disappointed, actually, because um, Monolith Soft took the franchise to a more sci-fi cinematic storyline with Chronicles X for the Wii U, and they're going backwards to a more traditional JRPG-style story with this. But the problem is that the story is like, it is just so cliched. It's like, you know, I want to go to this, you know, magical place in the, you know, in a big tree, and you need to take me there, and we're going to go on an adventure, and it's all going to be about, like, a special sword. I mean, like, how, how much of that is similar to the original Xenoblade Chronicles? You know, it's like, the, the storyline looks really, really cliched. It does not look interesting to me at all. The voice acting sounds terrible. It actually sounds like they got the original, the voice of Shulk to play the, the male lead in this game. And I just, I'm looking at this, uh, at the footage that they're showing me of this game. And I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure now that I'm not going to get this game. It just does not look good at all to me. I'm a little excited for it. Like, I think I need a more traditional JRPG, uh, especially after coming off games like, you know, Zelda. I, I want something a little bit more steeped in tradition. Uh, that being said, I, I don't know how good this game is actually going to be, but I am impressed with how it looks, so I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. And I am, you know, I'm, I'm ready to jump into this game. Next up, we have Kirby 2018. No real name for this game yet, but had a nice trailer. I mean, we got to see some cool stuff. Four-player co-op Kirby game. Uh, and it, it looks like it was a lot of fun. It looked like there's going to be a lot of chaos that happens with this. It reminds me a lot of uh, the new Super Mario Brothers games. And I, I'm just ready for this. For this, I mean, it's been a while since we had like a Kirby game on a console. Um, so, you know, we had one on the Wii U a couple years back. Uh, wasn't a huge fan of it. But this one looks like it's right up my alley. And it looks like something I can play with my fiancé. It's a four-player co-op game, and, you know, just last year we beat Donkey Kong Country Returns. We beat uh, New Super Mario Bros. for the Wii and Wii U. So these are kind of games that we, me and her can play together, so it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun for me. What we're going to talk about next, we're going to be very brief because we didn't see anything in this next trailer, but damn it if I guarantee you this isn't the game that people are most hyped for. Metroid Prime 4 was announced during the E3 spotlight and all they showed off was a number 4 and then the Metroid Prime logo and yet this was the most talked about thing on Twitter because of all that it literally was the most talked about thing on Twitter we don't know 
who's making the game. We don't know if it's retro or if it's Nintendo, you know, EAD. We don't know who's making the game. We just know that it's Metroid Prime 4. And a lot of people are excited about it. I am extraordinarily excited about it. I'm so very happy to get back into the world of Metroid. And this is almost like an apology. This is almost like Nintendo's apology for completely ignoring, you know, Metroid's uh, 25th anniversary last year. Actually, no, yeah, 30th anniversary. It was they 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 messed up. They released a 3DS game that pissed off a lot of people, and that was all that they got. But we're here now. We have this trailer. Take it as you will. But I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean, it was it's just the logo, but. That was enough to assure the fans that a game is coming, and I think that was important for Nintendo, even if they didn't have anything to show, to just be like, hey, look, guys, we've got a game. It's in development. Um, it's not going to be here this year, but it is coming. So depending on when this game is finished, um, you know, I think if, if they can get it out by like the holiday season of 2018, it could be like the smash hit of uh, the Christmas season next year, if they can get it out by then. Uh, so that, you know, and, and to me, it looks like that it's a little bit further along in development than the uh, Pokemon game. So I actually wouldn't be surprised if it came out in uh, 2018 towards, you know, like November, December timeframe. I wouldn't be surprised if at E3 next year, Metroid Prime 4, is the focus of the show. So for the last few years, Nintendo's been really focusing on specific games uh, during E3. So last year, obviously, they showcased Breath of the Wild. I mean, they built up their whole E3 booth to look like uh, Hyrule. This year, they built you know the E3 booth to be New Dock City from Super Mario Odyssey. And it looks like they're focusing on one game in particular at E3, and I wouldn't be surprised if at next year's E3, Metroid Prime 4 is the majority focus. I yeah. agree. I totally agree. I think that this game is is going to end up um, being a holiday 2018 release. So that would put it right in line for a, a huge E3 reveal next year. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have Yoshi 2018. Yoshi has been getting a lot of love, man. Now... They showcased a lot of this game off during the uh, the Treehouse Live. We got to see uh, gameplay for a few stages. And it looks like it's taking everything that they built on in Yoshi's Woolly World and kind of bringing it over to the Switch. It's got like this very like uh, craft aesthetic. Like It looks like everything was made out of like cardboard and yarn. Uh, except for Yoshi this time. This is more of a regular Yoshi not made out of wool. And it looks like a lot of fun, and I like the I like the the plot of the game. You can interact with the foreground, you can interact with the background, and obviously, obviously, you can react with the plane that Yoshi typically walks on. So you basically have three planes in which to interact. It looks like a lot of fun. Again, another two-player co-op game, a game that I can play with my fiance, and it looks like a lot of fun. And the Yoshi games they typically scale easier. You know, they're not the hardest games. They they reward exploration more than they explore like completion. But this one looks nice. It, I, again, graphically, I'm impressed with where they're taking all these 2D platformers and putting them on the Switch. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, 
Any thoughts on Yoshi? No. Alright, next up, Fire Emblem Warriors. I don't know what to say about this game because I don't know if I'm hyped for it and I don't know if like I'm not because the trailer when I saw it the first time I, I was really hyped but you know knowing that it's essentially a Dynasty Warriors game I don't know if I'm actually going to enjoy the game because at the end of the day you know these these are uh, warrior games they're they're gauntlet style games you're literally just running through gauntlets and killing hundreds upon hundreds of warriors and I guess the only cool thing here is that this game is also coming out on the 3DS so it's getting support on multiple platforms but they didn't actually say whether or not that there's there was any multiplayer or crossplay so without those features I'm not sure if this game is worth the purchase just yet I mean if you're a huge Fire Emblem fan I could see why you would want it but personally I'm a little down on this game yeah, it's um, it's one of those games that I think I would have to see more of to kind of be sure or not if I really want to get it. All right, next up we have a little indie game that made a lot of people happy, Rocket League. Uh, this is an extremely popular game. It's basically soccer with cars, and it's coming out on the Nintendo Switch. It's going to have Switch-specific features. Uh, it's obviously going to support, you know, the uh, local multiplayer, tablet mode, uh, and, t and docked mode. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. But I think the thing that got a lot of people excited is the crossplay. This game will be uh, playable with, with the PC version and the Xbox uh, One version. They said they can make it compatible with the, uh, with the uh, PS4 version. But a little bit of controversy is that Sony is not allowing for the crossplay. They do not want to take part in this ecosystem, and I don't necessarily know why. Now, Sony had some kind of bullshit response, basically saying they don't want it to happen because they can't control the ecosystem because they have their own rules, they have their own standards and practices, and... Among those guidelines, they want to ensure the safety of the people who play their games. Now, mind you, before we go any further, they were talking about Minecraft as well, which will also support cross-play on the Nintendo Switch, which means, you know, the Minecraft can also be played against... You can also play Minecraft with Xbox users, cell phone users, uh, and PC users. So, Sony blocking cross-play. Now, this ended up being a bigger story than just the announcement of Rocket League. So they're blocking it from Rocket League as well? Rocket League and Minecraft will not okay. be will not have crossplay. So now, the, de the developers of Rocket League said that it would be as as simple as pushing a button to make the crossplay happen. Sony is blocking it. I know for Minecraft, because it is a Microsoft game, they... The only way that you can get the crossplay is by having a um, an Xbox Live account. So, even if you're on PC um, or if you're on a Switch, you've got to log in with an Xbox Live account to play with people on a different platform. Because that's how Microsoft is kind of merging everybody into one little ecosystem for Minecraft. Um, which I don't think it's a big problem because. 
I think it's free just to get a, a normal Xbox Live account. So that's that's you know not a big deal. But um, I don't know how it's going to work for Rocket League. I don't know if that's also going to require an, an Xbox Live account. I don't I don't think it is, but I mean I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, it is a. Uh, it is kind of weird that Sony doesn't want to do it. I mean, they are the market leader, and so I don't know if, if crossplay benefits them as much because they are outselling everybody right now. But um, ultimately, to me, it just kind of seemed like sour grapes to me. Just like they didn't want to share their toys with you know everybody else. So that's kind of the impression I got from Sony. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know why they they don't want to. And like, I know that I know the PR reason they gave out was because they can't control the ecosystem by doing that. You know, they basically said we can't protect the children. And I'm like, there is no company in the world that is more about protecting the children than Nintendo. And Nintendo seems fine with this. Now maybe it's because. Nintendo doesn't have, you know, the ecosystem that, you know, Xbox and Sony have as far as voice communications are concerned. Like, there's no native voice features on the Nintendo Switch. And obviously, we know they're coming at some point via the uh, the app. But well, I think it could also just come down to the fact that maybe Sony doesn't want people going out and getting Xbox Live accounts. Yeah, but you need no such thing for, you know, Rocket League. Okay, yeah, so I wasn't sure about Rocket League, um, but I know for Minecraft, you do need an Xbox Live account. So um, maybe their reason for, for Minecraft was just, well, we don't want the competition, you know, getting getting a one-up on us by making everyone get Xbox Live accounts so they, they can all play Minecraft together. But... Um, I mean that's that's the only reason I could think of as to why that they would um, not want crossplay. But yeah, with Rocket League, I don't know. It's just yeah. Still, as far as Rocket League itself is concerned, this is a game that I, you know, I would have looked forward to playing on the Nintendo Switch. So I'm actually glad that it got announced uh, because this looks like the perfect kind of play anywhere game. Uh, I keep saying that. I don't necessarily think that there's a game that Nintendo has made yet that specifically makes me want to go outside it and outside and play. Rocket League looks like that game where like I could be out and about with my Switch and see somebody else playing Rocket League and be like, "I'll play you." So I'm I'm actually kind of glad to see that Rocket League is coming out on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I think that's the most important story here for us. Um as a Nintendo podcast, is that we're getting a game like that on the Nintendo Switch because Rocket League is kind of like Minecraft. It's a really fun, casual game that a lot of people like to get together with their friends and play, and it's been very, very popular and very, very successful on other platforms. So it's good that it's coming to the Switch because the portable aspect of the switch will make that even more accessible for people so i can i can see rocket league you know shooting to the top of the the e-shop the day it comes out oh absolutely a hundred percent agree with that 
And it's just one of these games that it's a lot of fun. It's a proven commodity. And it's nice when Nintendo can get these proven games, like games that like they don't need a lot of uh, advertising to sell through the roof. So extremely happy about this. So the next game they announced was after the spotlight. It was Metroid Return of Samus. So this is basically Metroid 2. And uh, for the Game Boy back in the day, it's a remake. It's a full-on 3DS remake of Metroid. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little excited about it. I'm not a huge fan of remakes. But I like the fact that Nintendo is showcasing a commitment to the Metroid franchise. Uh, after so many years of neglect, the fact that they're getting back on board with Metroid, yes, yes. And guys, if you want more, like, new Metroid games, we're going to have to support this one right here. If Nintendo sees the actual interest in the franchise, they're going to be much more inclined to do more things with it. So... Let's, let's be real here. There's a reason why we haven't had Metroid games in a while, and it's because as much as we say we want them, we're not buying them. So this is our chance to prove Nintendo wrong, you know, and buy these games. And I'm looking forward to this. Plus, I like the fact that it's on the 3DS. You know, it would always be better if things were on the Switch, but if Nintendo is going to live in a world where they want to support both of these ecosystems then they, they're still going to need titles like this. So big ups to Nintendo for keeping up a commitment to the 3DS because I was concerned that they weren't they were going to try to support a, support a platform without any first-party support. I thought they were kind of going to ride the coattails of the third party for the 3DS. But it looks like they're taking an, an active participating role in making sure that the 3DS is still a system that makes them money. Now, I guess, guys, it's time to talk about the biggest game of E3. The game that we knew was going to be there. The game that Nintendo made the highlight of their E3 booth. Super Mario Odyssey. I am so excited about Super Mario Odyssey. It looks fantastic. And I like the way they did the trailer. Because they completely psyched me out. When, I sh when they showed that dinosaur, I thought we were looking at a trailer for Monster Hunter for the Switch. When they showed the Mario hat on top of the dinosaur, I flipped my wig. Because I'm like, what is this? And then that catchy, like, big beat song starts playing. And she's like, jump up in the sky. And I was like, what is this? And they just showcased all of this awesome stuff in this trailer like there were so many hidden little details in this trailer and damn it man i have not been this excited for a mario game in a long time since mario galaxy since the first mario galaxy i have not been this excited for a mario game because this game looks amazing I love the abilities that Mario has in this game. He's basically going to be able to take on other forms. And I'm like, oh my god. And he does it by using his hat. He throws his hat and then he basically possesses creatures. And I'm like, how? What was the mentality behind this? 
and it just looks so much fun and it's graphically impressive if if you guys thought breath of the wild looked damn good watch the super mario odyssey trailer because jesus it looks great and again that is the catchiest song that they've ever had in a mario song and it's the first mario song to feature vocals so yes yeah i was at first i thought it was like a real song from like the 1940s or something because you're right it does have a big band type of feel to it and um it's not like those typical like um j-pop type songs where like half the time the the girl isn't even singing in tune like this whoever sings this song has a really good voice and it she's she does a very good job of sounding like she came out of that era and i i was like so impressed with the song i mean i i like i watched the trailer again just to hear the song i was like wow <laughs> um and you know it's funny because i'm not a platforming fan i really don't like 2d platformers um i don't you know purchase the mario platforming games very often uh it's just not my genre it's not really what does it for me um but the fact that this is more of a sandbox type of platforming game it's a little more um open world-esque uh from from the gameplay footage that they showed after the presentation i was actually um impressed because i didn't think that i would i would be purchasing this game when it came out and after watching the gameplay footage i was like you know what it looks really fun um there's just a whole lot to this game and it's kind of like a mario game that it doesn't just stick with the traditional formula of teaching you a game mechanic and then progressing along to help you master it before teaching you a new one and doing the same thing there's kind of like open world exploration mixed in with all of that and even like the coin system and everything is is revamped so now um i think when you die uh it costs coins instead of lives um so it kind of makes coin collecting oh yeah uh, more rewarding at least in that sense that you know like well i'm not just collecting coins just because i'm a crazy ocd completionist i kind of need it in case i die and so there's there's a lot of things that they're they're changing to this game to kind of um, go off the the beaten path a little bit not not like dramatically like where Zelda did but just in the way that they're not sticking to the traditional formula so this game does look like it is kind of like a Mario game with a twist well not only that but like you can use the coins to buy costumes and hats so like there's that costume of mario running around uh you know in the uh he's wearing the sombrero they showed him wearing a football player's outfit they showed him you know you know wearing his uh, mario usa golf tour outfit and i was like there is so much like homage in this game every costume that they showcased in this trailer is actually from a previous Mario game. So it's it's a cool way of Nintendo like looking back at their history and just putting it in this one big pot and making it a great game. Now I love the 
the scale of this game too. Like you're, it's so diverse. Like no one stage, no one kingdom looks alike. You have your Safari Kingdom. You have New Donk City. You have uh, the the Food Kingdom, and all of this looks different. Like no world looks the same as another, and that's really cool because it it really gets that feel of Odyssey. You know, Odyssey being a great adventure. And this is Mario's great adventure, and it looks fantastic. By the way, if you're a fan of that song, Nintendo actually released it on their YouTube channel, so you can just play that song over and over to your heart's content. But it looks it looks incredible. I am very excited about Super Mario Odyssey. There is just so much new in this game. I don't... Go ahead. And we're getting it. Um, earlier than a lot of people anticipated, we're actually getting it in October. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. I was actually expecting a delay on this game. No lie. I was expecting a delay on this game. I did not think it was as far along as it was. Uh, just because, you know, of what happened with the whole Zelda situation. We saw that game get delayed year after year after year. And sometimes, Nintendo, when you... Even if you deliver, even when you deliver, when you have all these delays, it makes us skeptical of your actual output. As much as I love you as a company, I get skeptical of you guys sometimes, and you had so many delays on Breath of the Wild that I felt that Odyssey was going to suffer from those things as well. So one thing I want to comment on that, Um, Nintendo, I think part of the reason why they are doing a better job of meeting these deadlines is because uh, they expanded their development teams. I think uh, I read somewhere, it might have been on IGN, uh, I don't remember who I heard this from, but they actually um, created an entirely brand new development team and opened it, I think maybe in Kyoto or or somewhere. It was a a city in Japan where they're basically... Um, so that Nintendo is capable of pumping out more first-party AAA titles per year, they've expanded their development team and hired more people so that, as a whole, Nintendo is, is a bigger company now than they were during the Wii U era, which is why you're seeing uh, all these great first-party titles coming out all at the same time, or at least within the same uh, calendar year for the Nintendo Switch, and you're seeing titles like Xenoblade and Mario Odyssey actually meet the deadline. So Nintendo has has expanded to, to kind of do that, which um, I think is really good in the first year because especially with the high attach rates for their software, other third-party t- uh, companies are going to see how well the, the software sells and they're just not going to be able to resist. And I... I think Nintendo's done a good job of getting quality over quantity when it comes to third-party titles because as we've seen from like Ubisoft and uh, EA, those are, are games that um, they look like they're, they're going to be very well-made. And uh, I think the people who are interested in those kind of genres, like you know, for, for you and I, we're, we're both going to really enjoy the uh, Mario Rabbids game. But for, for sports fans... I think a lot of the uh, the soccer fans out there are really going to enjoy that Switch FIFA game as well. Um, so 
you know, and then with Bethesda releasing Skyrim, even though I'm not personally a fan, uh, it is a classic game, and and there are people out there who are going to get it just for nostalgia's sake. So, um, I think uh, even with 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 Capcom releasing Street Fighter Two Ultra, it's not a game for everybody. But if you're a fighting game fan and, and you have any sort of memories as a kid of playing Street Fighter, that's a game that you're going to enjoy playing. I know I've enjoyed playing it since I purchased it, and I've I've I have not seen it leave the top ten of the eShop since it came out, and most of that time it's spent within the top five. So I think 2018 is going to be a big year for third-party releases. Nintendo's doing a good job of getting some of the big ones out this year, but like um, the the really like huge ones like like Rockstar or Blizzard or or some of these other companies, um, I think w- we might actually see those in 2018. And uh, there was a story about the uh, the Dragon Ball Fighters Fighters game. Um, basically, th- they said that the Switch is more than capable of handling that game. The reason why they didn't bring it to the Switch was not to do with the technical specs of the Nintendo Switch. They said if the fan demand is strong enough, they'll bring it to the Switch. So we could we could get that game too. Yeah, if what you're saying is true about Nintendo increasing you know, their workforce to make these games on time and faster, it's a shame that it took them this long to, to do that. Uh, Nintendo should have learned from the other companies that how difficult high-definition games are to make. But, I mean, at least they're here now, and it looks like the commitment is strong. I mean, look, if you, if you really pay attention to what this E3 lineup is really showing us, this year and, and what's coming, what we're basically seeing is every key Nintendo franchise get the spotlight. So, in this year alone, we had a Zelda game. We had a Mario Kart game. We had a brand new IP with uh, ARMS come out just this past weekend. We had Splatoon 2 making its way through next month. And we have Super Mario Odyssey. And then next year, we have Kirby, Yoshi. Well, Xenoblade is coming out this year as well. Yeah, as well as Xenoblade. Yeah, so six games coming out this year from, from their first party. Then next year, we know that Kirby's coming, and Yoshi's coming, and possibly Metroid Prime 4. Like, Nintendo's making sure that all their key franchises are are front and center very early on in the lifespan of a console. This has never happened before. And if what you're saying is true, I really wish this had happened earlier. I mean, but it's happening no, it, now. It's true. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard it um, from IGN. I, I, I'm not going to say that for sure, but I mean, as to where I heard it, but I'm pretty sure it was IGN. But the, but the information itself is true. Nintendo has has uh, expanded their development teams. See, well, with with that news, I'm I'm actually I'm that's news. I'm really happy to hear because I'm glad because it's making it's making ch- it made a change into how quickly these games are coming out, and they look good. We're not, we haven't seen a bad game in the bunch yet. All these games look fun. Kirby and Yoshi, while they may look very similar to one another, 
they still look like they're going to be unique and fun in, in their own ways. So I'm excited to hear about all this news. And man, just going back to Odyssey, look how good Odyssey looks, man. Like, I am I'm so impressed with how visually appealing Super Mario Odyssey looks. I am so impressed with, you know, all the design choices that they made. This game looks fan-freaking-tastic. So, anything else to say on uh, Super Mario Odyssey before we move into our next subject? No. Alright, guys, so we got some Amiibos. And uh, I'm liking I'm liking the majority of them. So, in conjunction to announcing, you know, the Zelda Breath of the Wild DLC that we already knew about, they showed off four new Amiibo for Breath of the Wild, and these are some of the best-looking Amiibo they've ever made, dude. So, we have Mifa, uh, Daruk, Rivali, and Urbosa, the guardian, the champions in Breath of the Wild, uh, and they look great. These are fantastic looking amiibo and i like the fact that they're basically extending the life of breath of the wild with these amiibo they look so damn good bro so damn good yeah i was impressed <laughs> i think the amiibo look great although i was a little bit curious as to the urbosa amiibo just because the location of the stand looks like it is going directly up her hoo-ha but other than that they look great Yeah, these are some of the best-looking amiibo I think Nintendo has ever showcased, and they're gonna they're gonna feel right at home with the rest of the Breath of the Wild amiibo. Like they really are. They look great, and I'm hoping that the reason we have Guardians as uh, champions as amiibo is that it's somehow gonna relate to the DLC pack too. We know they're not coming out till around the time of that uh, DLC pack, so I'm hoping that they're gonna be part. Of the story in some significant way and that using those amiibo will be extra awesome and hopefully i i know i'm, I'm like wishing on a star here but i'm hoping that we get to play as the guardians because i'm gonna be revolve all damn day dude all right next up we have the super mario odyssey wedding outfit amiibos these things are, are adorable and I've already decided that these are going to be the wedding cake toppers on mine and Drippin' Ink's wedding cake because it's just too perfect to have a Mario in that white tux and Peach in her white dress and just put them on top of the wedding cake. These look fantastic though. We don't know what they're going to do in the game but they look really nice. Uh, they have like this kind of like pearlescent look to the, to the white. It looks great and I love the Bowser amiibo. It looks like he's like proposing to peach in the white tux and it looks fantastic yeah they do kind of look like uh wedding toppers so that's that's a pretty neat idea <laughs> uh then lastly we had the uh the metroid prime i'm sorry the metroid return of samus amiibo so we're actually going to get it's a two-pack of amiibo you're actually going to have a samus and a metroid and these look very cool i don't know what they're going to unlock in the game but they look really good, and Samus only has one amiibo, so it's nice to, to see that she's going to get some amiibo love. 
Especially when you consider how many Legend of Zelda amiibo there are out there. The fact that Samus only has one is kind of pitiful. But that's it for amiibos. Uh, I mean, there were Fire Emblem, but... I mean, I'm not so excited about anything about those, so they're not a big deal. I want to move into some of the other announcements that got made. Uh, Nintendo showed off the Breath of the Wild DLC Pack 1. We got to see how that's going to work. Uh, it's pretty much what I thought it was. It looks like it's going to be a lot more difficult than I initially gave it credit for, but it is nice to see how all that stuff is going to work. And we did get confirmation of Gold Lynels and... That seems very scary to me, because silver liners are so hard already. Yeah, I mean, gold liners are just going to wreck you, um, but this is the first time we really got to see any substantial DLC footage, and um, as much as I would have liked to see something from the DLC pack 2, I was impressed from DLC pack 1. Um, I think calling the... Um, the Trial of the Sword of Gollum mode doesn't do it justice because, to me, it looks like an Eventide Island if every level were Eventide Island inside of a shrine because they're taking away all of your clothes and your weapons and even your guardian powers, and each level seems to present a different sort of challenge also in the way of, of kind of like a puzzle where you have kind of a, a, a big arena in which to make the best use of the, the surroundings and um, whatever sort of shrubs or nature or platforms or structures that they put in, in there. So it looks well thought out, and um, I think it looks pretty fun, and I'm, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I it looked better than I thought it would look, but it still didn't really like blow me away. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm still gonna play it. I mean, that much is true. I am gonna play it still, but as far as like my excitement, I'm a little bit more tempered here. I just don't necessarily know if this is something that I'm gonna find like really substantial. I mean, and once it's beaten, it's probably something I wouldn't come back to to do. So it, it, it seems like a very uh, minor update, in my opinion. That being said, though, it does look really difficult. It looks extraordinarily difficult, so that much is true. Uh, the hard mode, the hard mode, they showcased that a lot during the uh, Treehouse Live, and it was weird watching people get pretty much O-code by, uh, you know, the Bacoblins, but I it, it looks like the challenge that I kind of wanted from the game. And that being said, Breath of the Wild, just playing regular Breath of the Wild is hard. Like, yeah, it is. It's, it's already challenging. But but yeah, if, if you ever wanted it like a true testament to your hardcore Zelda skills, I think you will have more than enough on your hands with hard mode. Oh yeah, most definitely. And the other thing they announced, they kind of did this, they, they, they kind of highlighted this, but they showed us nothing, which basically means they haven't started yet. But they finally announced a mainline Pokemon game for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, and, and let's be real. 
we were never going to get a Sun and Moon game on the Switch. It just wasn't going to happen. Everybody wanted it to happen, and I think everybody wished so hard that they thought they could will it into existence, but that's not how it works in the Pokemon universe. Nintendo wasn't just going to all of a sudden make a cheap port to the Switch just because of the Switch's success. That would kind of burn 3DS fans, and it would also not really make sense to just jump ship from the 3DS to the Switch all of a sudden, because they hadn't even come out with the enhanced versions of Sun and Moon yet. So, um, you know, since they had that wonderful Pokemon Direct just before E3, which announced that we were getting an enhanced version of Sun and Moon for the 3DS and not the Switch, when E3 came around, I wasn't expecting anything for the Switch as, as far as that regard. I mean, I'm, I, I know when the Virtual Console comes out, they'll eventually start releasing those Pokemon games so that you can play them all on your Switch, but um, in my mind, it just I always kind of figured we were going to get a brand new Pokemon game in the main series on the Switch, and to me, it, it looks like that game probably won't be out until like 2019. Yeah, that that's probably very true. If we're probably going to see it at around, we're going to see it for the first time around this time next year. But it is very exciting news nonetheless. I think people always seem to forget how slow, you know, the you know the you know Game Freak and the Pokemon Company are as far as transitioning from one platform to the next. And it's not that they're slow; they purposely do that. They wait for the install base of the newer console to grow before they change platforms. I mean, this isn't. They did it with the Game Boy. They did it with the Game Boy Advance. They did yes. it with the CS. They did it with the 3DS. They wait until they're proven before they move on to the next platform. Well, yeah, and let's be real. Like, platforms live and die by Pokemon games. Yeah. And not just, not just Nintendo platforms. Why do you think nothing could ever compete against the Game Boy? We went over this in our handheld episode for all you faithful listeners uh, who have stuck with us throughout the many months we've been doing this. It is because Nintendo had Pokemon, and just when its competitors were starting to come out with handhelds that could compete with it, late on in the Game Boy's life cycle, Nintendo came out with Pokemon, and boom. All of a sudden, like there was no other choice if you wanted a handheld, because everyone had to have Pokemon. And so, I mean... Game Freak, they, they hold a lot of power in their development team as far as the success of, of these platforms that they put their games on. And I, I really think that they want your first Pokemon experience on the Switch to be special. They want it to be something that you've never experienced before, just kind of like how they made all these wonderful um, transitions to the main series in Sun and Moon they're going to do it again for the Switch. And when it comes out on the Switch, it's going to be a great experience. It's just you're going to have to be patient and wait for it. Well, and, you know, it's something that we always forget is every time they do make a transition to a new platform, those games are always great. Like, starting with, like, uh, you know, the uh, <clears throat> Ruby and Sapphire. Those games are fantastic. So those are the Pokemon games that up the difficulty 
and started having like these big like world-breaking stories then you know we move on to the ds and we had diamond and pearl which are added so much as far as innovation to the pokemon series then you know going into the 3ds we had you know these awesome changes in x and y like the full 3d but i think where they really hit their stride with the the 3ds is obviously pokemon sun and moon where they they start to nail like battle mechanics and they start to nail like uh the graphics and they start to do so much big stuff on these on these platforms let you know we got to give them a chance to like you know breathe and build these awesome pokemon games for us so it's better that we don't get a remake of sun and moon for the switch i want this to be a unique and awesome pokemon experience and you know we're just gonna have to exercise patience but at least we know they're making it and that should be enough to hold people down it's not like it's been that long since a pokemon game came out the last game came out in november i mean it's only june guys let's uh let's play with the toys that we have before we move on to the next ones you know all right but let's go ahead and move on because nintendo truly made a commitment to esports this year and they did it in a very awesome way two days three tournaments they just really blew me out of the water so they had the world inkling invitational they had the pokemon pokemon tournament dx invitational and the arms open invitational let's start with the uh, splatoon 2 invitational because that was awesome because we got to see some stuff yeah, and honestly, the, the Treehouse events were the reason why I felt like Nintendo had a better presentation than everyone else, because when people um, were critical of Nintendo saying, well, we're only going to have a 30-minute presentation, I don't think they realized that part of that is because they chose to spend a lot of their time doing these esports competitions, and um, that was almost more of a focus for them because because really when it came down to Nintendo's um, E3 presentation I think the two big games they really wanted to show off was uh, Mario Odyssey and Mario Rabbids um, but they really wanted to show off their commitment to the esports community and nobody else did that nobody else held esports tournaments at E3 and personally I don't know why. Like, why wouldn't you want to have something that the fans can get involved in? Like, why does E3 only have to be about the developers? Why can't you actually incorporate the people who are buying your games? Like, Nintendo was the only company this year that decided to have fun at E3. And, um... Well, to take that even further, think about it. This is the first year that E3 was open to the general public. E3 is a trade show, which means the only people that should be there are investors and journalists who cover this event and investors who invest their money in these companies so that they can make all these great games. That's how E3 started. This year's E3 was the first one that was open to the public, and they had tournaments all throughout E3. They only televised three of them, but these were for the most part, these were invitationals. All the, the the Splatoon, with the exception of Splatoon, 
the Pokemon Tournament Invitational and the Arms Invitational were comprised of people who were attending E3. So it makes a huge difference. And so we had they, they did invite some pro players for both for all three of these tournaments, but for two of these tournaments, people who came to the to show it came to the E three show, entered the arms tournament, they entered the Pokemon tournament, and they got to play those games live for everyone in the world to see. And they showcased these games in the best way possible. And man, they really built hype. A game like Pokemon Tournament which you know I've had since it launched, you know, last year, to see to see it in action and to see all the new Pokemon being used, that really got me excited. I yeah, I was already gonna purchase that game, but now I'm way more excited to do it. And that's what Nintendo's gotta focus on anyways, the near future, because these three games are the ones that are coming up as their summer of play lineup. So they're the ones they really need to be pushing. Because they need to make sure that these games sell well. So, from that point of view, it, it makes complete sense. But just from a fan's point of view, it was really, really fun to watch these tournaments. And for me in particular, I loved the Splatoon tournament. I thought the spectator mode was fantastic. It was the first time I was able to watch a shooter where I could kind of get a sense of what was going on at all times without feeling like I was missing out on something because I only got to see one player's perspective. You get to see that top-down view of the whole stage. You see everything that's going on. It works perfectly. And it was... I watched almost every single match of that tournament. And it was... Um, it was like... For me, it was like the highlight of E3. Oh, man. I watched that whole tournament live from start to finish. And I loved it. That spectator mode was absolutely brilliant. And the guy that was in charge of the angles, he also did a really phenomenal job because he would always start from the top and then uh, whenever somebody got killed, he would transition the camera to the person who killed that person and so on and so forth. And when some action was happening, like, in the center with like the rainmaker or the tower, he would always shift his focus. He did a really good job of controlling the spectator mode. And that's what's really exciting about that is that in spectator mode, you have a very good deal of control as to what you know the viewer is specifically seeing. And that was awesome. Um, moving on to arms, the arms open tournament, they also showcase their spectator mode, which will be coming uh, next month. Very similar to what was going on in Splatoon, maybe not as much control over the cameras they had in Splatoon, but I mean, there's obviously there's less players playing at a time. But even that tournament was great, uh, and you know, shouts out to Berserk for winning that tournament, and shout outs to the U.S. team for starting off in Splatoon the way they started off, and then uh, winning the way that they won, because they did an amazing job of like coming back and taking that tournament. And by the way, Nintendo did a great job in like giving these these tournament champions excellent prizes. So uh, Zerk, who won the Arms Open uh, Tournament, he won a championship belt that came straight out of that game. And he looked like a UFC champion holding that belt. So that was pretty awesome. The trophy that they gave out in Splatoon was beautiful. Yeah, and it was a 30-pound 
hunk of inkling metal. I mean, it doesn't look like it weigh, weighs that much, but one, the commentators, uh, they, they, one of the things that they mentioned about the trophy was that it was 30 pounds. I mean, that thing is heavy. Yeah, and you know what? The commentators also did a really good job of, like, highlighting, like, you know, all the ways to play. They, they made sure that all the listeners, all the viewers were engaged and knew what was happening at all at any given point in time. Nintendo should put those people on the payroll. If Nintendo's going to really be committed to esports the way that they, they they showed at this year's E3, they're going to need these kind of this level of commentation to really popularize these games because we can watch these games all day, but if there isn't somebody there who can break down what's happening the way that these commentators did, People aren't going to know what's going on, and they're going to be less inclined to buy these games. But they did a totally amazing job. I, I thought it was. I thought they were fantastic. I would be happy if they if they um, were commentating on official other official Nintendo Splatoon tournaments. Because you're right. That's one of the things that kind of annoys me sometimes about the the Smash commentary is that you just listen to these guys, and it's like, oh yeah. Oh, that that was a good read on the fair. Oh, oh, well, he's 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 basically trying to get off these nares. And like most people are, even people that play Smash, unless you're part of the Smash community and you know the lingo, you're not going to know what a fair or a nair is. Like, and and there's a lot of of terminology that it does not make it very accessible to new players or players that haven't had a lot of exposure to the community. So, the commentators did a very good job of explaining the basics to, to, to get the people who, who've never played the game before to be able to understand what's going on without babying us and, and over-explaining it. They, they just kind of explained enough things about the basics so that the new players could come in and be like, oh, that's what's happening. You know, and, and that's like, I think one of the problems with some of this, some of the commentary in esports is that like, Sometimes you get commentators that just they they don't make it accessible for everybody. It it ends up just kind of becoming kind of clicky. It's like, well, if you're not in the community, we're not going to explain this to you because you're a noob and we don't care about you. <laughs> no, it's true though, man. And and these these are great commentators. Although I I can see how it's going to be hard for one of those commentators. Uh, because uh, what's his name? Uh, Steven. He's actually uh, an NBA commentator. He he is one of the commentators during the Splatoon uh, Inkling Invitational. He's an NBA converse, uh, commentator by profession, and there's a reason why his commentary was so good. I mean, that's his job. This is, like he's made a living commentating on actual sports, and I was actually glad to find out that he is a big proponent of the Splatoon community. He's a huge Splatoon fan. He loves watching the gameplay footage. He loves he loves the community. So, Nintendo, steal this guy away from the NBA. You can afford it. You know you can. Uh, but no, man, the, every tournament was great. Every tournament, in my opinion, did a great job of showcasing these games and building the proper amount of hype for them. And yes, it's it's very good. You're right. These games are coming out this summer and these are the games that need the momentum. They do. They 100% need the momentum so that they can be successful on a brand new platform. But 
if Nintendo wants to support these games as esports, especially ARMS, out of all these games, ARMS is the one that's unproven. If they really want to like make a push for these games and ARMS in specific, they have to do these kind of events. They have to hold these events and they have to make sure that they go off without a hitch. And there wasn't a lot of technical difficulties during these tournaments. Like these streams ran pretty flawlessly, man. I watched them live. They ran extraordinarily well. There was no hiccups. They did an amazing job. And I guarantee you that's not something that's easy to coordinate, especially at an event as big as E3. Loved everything that we saw there. I loved the games. I loved the fact that in the Pokemon tournament and in the uh, in the uh, arms tournament, at the end, both of the champions got to compete against the developers. Although it is scary how good the developers are at those games, especially the developers on Pokemon Tournament. They were bodying the champions in Pokemon Tournament. I was like, oh my god, they're scary. And I think I'm pretty good at Pokemon. And that was like, yo, that's scary. But because of that, I did get to see a character that I'm excited to try out. I'm excited to play as Krogunk because after watching uh, Mr. Ishihara play as uh, as Krogunk, I'm like, I'm about that life. Let's let's, yeah. do, let's do the Krogunk. Mr. Ishihara made Krogunk look OP. I mean, the movement that he was able he was able to make Krogunk look sexy. And Krogunk is an ugly Pokemon, and just the way he was moving it around and just it was almost like it was almost godlike. It was just amazing. And I'm not really like, you know, that that's not even one of the Pokemon that I'm super hyped to try out. For me, it's like I've gotta try out uh, Scizor and I've gotta try out Darkrai. But after seeing Krogunk, I was like, wow, like that is I, I mean, I, I'm probably gonna try out all of them, but I was like, that Pokemon is going to be high tier just he's ridiculous well he made Krogunk look like Pikachu man he made his that Krogunk look like a Pikachu the way it was moving I was like damn I'm about that life and I've been wanting to pick up another character in Pokemon tournament and after seeing how, how he controlled it I'm like that's the one for me uh and that's it man that's all the things that they actually showed off at E3 in the dude fantastic E3 for Nintendo like I said they they, they, they had a wave, they, and they rolled the wave, and I don't know anybody who isn't excited about the future of Nintendo and the Switch. Like, there's a lot of awesome going on right now, and I'm really happy about it. I, I'm sad that it comes at the expense of the Wii U, because I do think that the Wii U was a really good system, but at the end of the day, if it can't be the Wii U, I'm glad it's the Switch. Now, there is some stuff that they didn't show at E3 that I do want to talk about very briefly. So, let's start with this. We did not see Smash at E3 this year. Yeah, a lot of people were disappointed by this, but I, I predicted it. <laughs> I mean, like, I just for me, Nintendo. There's there's a lot of reasons which I think all combined is it's the reason why I felt like they weren't going to show it. Um. One, it's kind of an old game. It's like three years old. And it just makes more sense to me for them to be in development of Smash 5. Because if you release 
Smash 4 as a port and you make a big deal out of it, you can't just release Smash 5 the, the next year. you you got to give that game some breathing room. So I think they're just going to come out with a Smash 5 in 2018. But um, on top of the fact that it's a three-year-old game, you you know the, the second reason was because you can't port every single game over from the Wii U that was a hit um, and not expect to get some backlash from the Wii U fans because the Wii U fans or the Wii U owners were Nintendo's hardcore fan base. Like, if you had a Wii U, you know, you were one of those 13 or 14 million people that stuck with Nintendo through the dark times, and it wasn't easy. And you don't want Nintendo to just turn around and release everything on um, the Switch in the first year that it's out. So that's another reason. And then finally... I just thought, like, when you look at what they did for Mario Kart and Pokémon, you can't add the same amount of content to Smash. Mario Kart 8 was almost a new game. I mean, adding the new characters, the the different item, um, you know, adding a second item, changing the mechanics of the game to allow that special drift, adding all the DLC content... Um, Adding a battle mode, which is like basically half of a completely new game. Like Mario Kart was probably the best bang for your buck as far as getting the most money if you did have the Wii U version. Pokemon Tournament, they're giving you something you never had access to, which is all of the DLC characters. In Smash, unless they combine the 3DS version with the Wii U version... You're, you're not going to get anything new on the Wii U version. Um, and even then, it would just be stages. So I, I, know, I know they could add the Inklings, but it just it wouldn't be as much content as Pokémon and Mario Kart 8. So for me, I think it's just a better idea to go ahead and, and, and save Smash 8, or Smash 8, Smash 5 for 2018. See, I'm of a different mind. I would actually, I think they are going to release Smash uh, at some point, but I think they're going to do it in the context of them having their own direct for Smash. Uh, and I just don't think that Sakurai is a ready to come back to the Smash series, or if he's at all interested. Uh, we know a lot of the reasons that Sakurai kept coming back was uh, uh, Mr. Iwata and. Now that Mr. Iwata's gone, you know, rest in peace. I just don't know if the incentive is there for uh, for Sakurai to come back and dedicate himself to to the Smash series as a whole. And I think it would be a lot harder to get a new Smash game off the ground without his presence or without him being there in some capacity. So I honestly think that Porting that game is the best option. I mean, we know that Bandai Namco did a lot of work on that last Smash game. So it would be easier for them to port, you know, onto the Switch than it would be to just build something new from the ground up, especially without Sakurai there and, you know, with the wealth of knowledge that he has of this series. And Sakurai kind of, he kind of, you know, I kind of see him as the guy who is not one to let too many people play in his sandbox. So I kind of feel like if they try were to try to do it without him, he'd interject in some way. He's 
he's kind of the perfectionist in that way where he won't really let anybody play with his toys. He's going to, if, if they try to do something without him, I feel like he'd interject himself into that process and find his way, find a way to either stall or get on the game. And I think he just needs a little bit more breathing room from the Smash series. But I think a remake for the Switch with without too much of his involvement would go just fine. Well, I do think regardless of what they choose to do, whether or not they choose to um, port it or make a, a brand new game, I do think that you're right. They will have a Smash Direct. It's just it's going to be a special event for Smash. And I, and I do also think that um, even if it is a port, uh, I think we're going to still probably see it in 2018, um, maybe early 2018 if it's a port, uh, maybe late 2018 if it's a brand new game. But um, I don't think we, we would get it this year. Agreed. Uh, we also didn't see the virtual console. Uh, Nintendo's been really quiet on this, and with every week that passes, uh, Neo Geo is making bank. I know, right? <laughs> like Neo Geo keeps releasing their own titles on the Switch, and I'm just wondering why Nintendo isn't trying this. I mean, this is the Virtual Console is is a tried and true proven commodity for them. They sell games on the Virtual Console all the time. It's very weird that it wasn't there. Um, but it wasn't there. And I don't no. know. I don't even know what to think about that. Yeah. Um, that's... I, I don't know what to say on that either. Um, it, it's mind-boggling, right? Yeah. I, I was a little surprised by that. But honestly, the thing that surprised me most was that they didn't show their smartphone app and that they didn't show a, a an Animal Crossing for the Nintendo Switch because I thought those two would be like kind of um, a given. They would, they would coincide with each other, you know? Yep. They also didn't showcase any new mobile games, uh, you know, which is also weird because, I mean, we haven't, they haven't really talked about mobile games since uh, Fire Emblem came out and Right, and there's, they said they were going to be releasing another one this year, and I kind of thought it would be an Animal Crossing one because that makes the most sense as far as the social aspect of it. And if you're going to have a, a cross-platform connection with the mobile app and the Switch, Animal Crossing would work if they released it for like a, a special Switch version and a special mobile version. And I was really surprised that we didn't see that. No, and I'm like, yo, you know, they made a huge deal last year about like, their smartphone games in general. I don't know if this is maybe Nintendo like shying away from from you know smartphone games or just apps in general uh, because like their success rate with you know mobile apps has been like all over the place. But it was something I thought they would highlight. I didn't think that the they showed off more for the Switch than I thought they would, and less for everything else than I thought they would. Like, I thought the 3DS would get more love. I thought their mobile games would get more love. And we saw none of that here at E3. Um, well, just to add on to, to that point about the Switch, um, I've, I've played mobile games a lot less now that I have a Nintendo Switch. And I kind of wonder, as the Switch continues to sell, 
if we're going to see the tables turn and you're going to see the switch eat into mobile gaming because now you can have that um, really deep, immersive experience on the go and people are going to look at their phone and they're going to look at, like, you know, Clash of Clans and then they're going to look at Breath of the Wild on their Switch and they're going to be like, hmm, I wonder which one I'm going to play. Yeah, and I, I'm very much the same way. I was playing Pokemon Duel a lot. And the day that the Switch came out was the day that I stopped playing most of my mobile games. The only game I really play uh, on mobile now is Pokemon Go. And that's just because of the type of game that it is. And even with Pokemon Go, like I said earlier, I don't really play it all that much. It's Right. I've only been playing it for this event. Um, I really kind of... I don't, I don't really play it unless there's an event going on. Yeah, I mean, so... It's weird. I just I thought you know they were gonna showcase more for their mobiles, but they didn't. And I don't know what to think about that. Maybe it's because like the deal with DNA is coming to a close. You know, they're about to reach that uh, that that uh what is it five game commitment with them, and maybe they're just trying to hold off, trying to ex- find a way to extend that partnership before they release anything else. But it is what it is. Uh, and lastly. We didn't see Pikmin 4, and this is a game, I'm a fan of the Pikmin series, not the most exciting series, like, it's not like a, woo, need to buy a console for this game, but they're solid games, they're really good, solid games, and they've said for a while now that this this game is finished, as far as development is concerned, like, Miyamoto has said on numerous occasions that it's finished, so I'm really surprised that one of their core franchises hasn't been announced for the Switch when it looks like every other core franchise has been announced for the Switch. It's either out already or it's coming in the near future. We have Zelda, we have Mario Kart, we have a Mario game, we have ARMS, we have Splatoon, we have Metroid, we have Kirby, we have Yoshi. We don't have Pikmin 4. That's weird. That's weird that a core franchise is missing. Now, the only other core franchise that's been missing that I can think of off the top of my head is Donkey Kong. But Donkey Kong, he's had love like recently within the last three years. There was a Donkey Kong game. So that franchise yeah. can kind of sit for a little while. It's weird that Pikmin isn't out or wasn't announced or even a hint of it. Yeah, I think it is a little weird. You're right. Um, and I know Nintendo doesn't want to kind of um, basically give us everything in the first year. They want to save a little bit for 2018 because you you want to have some hype coming into the new year, which is why I think that, um, you know, Smash and, and Metroid and, uh, you know, some of their other franchises, um, maybe even Donkey Kong, will will see those in 2018 because Nintendo, um, they, you, they don't want to blow their load in the first year. That You want to have them give you something to look forward to in year two of the Switch. But Pikmin is like Animal Crossing. It's one of those games where I kind of thought we would see something announced for that maybe in the fall. And uh, E3, I don't know if they're holding it back from us or if they really just don't plan on, on coming out with it this year. But I, you know, both of those games have a pretty dedicated following. What's and, scary about 
the Pikmin thing is that right now, the only Pikmin game on the horizon is the one for the 3DS, and it's not like a real traditional Pikmin game. It's it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary that we're getting a 2D platforming style Pikmin game, and the main the main series is nowhere to be seen. So, yeah, frightening to me in that sense. As a fan of that franchise, I'm scared about what's going on. Are they really finished like they said they were, or were they just? Is that just Miyamoto just you know playing a, a mean joke on everybody? But I think that's it, guys. I think that's all the big news that uh, E3 brought for us. I mean, there were some big releases there. I mean, there were some little things there, but in general, Nintendo did a very good job of focusing, you know, from now until the end of the year. And, you know, for at least for the Nintendo Switch. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel that this E3 for Nintendo went as far as what's coming, what's on the horizon? Um, you know, if you combined the presentation with the esports, I would give them a 9 out of 10 because I think the esports did a lot to kind of help convince people that these three games for their summer of play are must-have titles. And then um, Mario Odyssey and Rabbids are, are kind of there to be like, well, you know, we, we've, got, we've got something for you too later on. Uh, although I do think Rabbids comes out in August, which is before Pokemon Tournament. But... Um, you know, they, they did a really good job of basically saying, look, we've got a big game coming out in June, July, August, September, and October. So we have got a great lineup for you. And the tournaments were really, really fun to watch. I think if it was like just the presentation and only the presentation, I probably would just give them like a 7 out of 10. But because of the esports tournament, I give them a 9 out of 10. See, I think based on the presentation alone, I would give them, I'd give them an 8. Just on knowing... Knowing what's in Nintendo's near future, I mean, we have Rabbids, we have Starlink, we have Xenoblade, Kirby, uh, Yoshi, Fire Emblem, which I'm still kind of on the fence about, uh, but Rocket League, with you know, big cross-platform game, and Super Mario Odyssey, all those great games, and then we got to see, like, Nintendo's, like, next year. We got to see Yoshi, we got to see Kirby, we've got <laughs> possibly Metroid Prime 4, which... As of right now, I think is going to be the focus of next year's E3. But I think we got to see a good amount of stuff. So based on the presentation, I give them an 8. But if we add in the esports, I give them a 9.5. Because those esports contests really, really did a, a good deal on showcasing that Nintendo has a commitment to esports. That they see this as a, a viable source of income for them. Because let's be honest esports is a business and with nintendo you know giving this much of a commitment to esports they stand to make a lot of money if they play their cards right let's now that's the thing here is that out of all these games one of them it just came out this weekend and it's as fun fun as it is i'm still kind of questioning its esports viability so nintendo has to position some of these games in the right way to truly highlight how good they can be as esports. 
But outside of that, man, I like I said, I thought this was a very good E3 for Nintendo. I think they did a lot to ride the the wave of momentum that they've built in the last you know six months. And I'm really hoping that they're able to continue this route for you know the remainder of the console's lifespan. Like we're think about it, we're still only like four months into this console's life. And I don't think I've had this much fun on a on a brand new console. I've never bought this many games in the in the launch year for a console. I have six games already. And you know it's like I'm buying two games a month for the Switch. So hell yeah man let's just keep this going and knowing that i'm getting a big game you know for the next few months that's really exciting man that that is the best like thing nintendo could be doing right now is you know highlighting a different game every month so yeah i think it was a really good e3 for nintendo all right guys but that's gonna be our show today but before i let you go let's hit you up with these social media links you know you can hit us up on twitter at nice1983 and at mario after party you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nintendo Power Zone. If you're a fan of the Nintendo Power Zone podcast, you can always download new episodes on iTunes, Google Play Music, or right here on YouTube. And guys, don't forget, if you like the music, you can always go ahead and check out GameChops.com to download a bunch of fantastic video game remixes, alright? So, Mario After Party, you got anything left to say to the people? Man, you already know, stay fresh. Stay fresh, guys. Deuces. <laughs>